Hello everyone. You may know me. I'm Luke, the person whose head you've had a chance to get inside for the past week. I've been writing all the posts, but today joining me to talk about young adults coming of age films, I have my friend Anne. Hi. I've been mentioned in a few of the posts, but now I'm here and I can say my thoughts uh, about some of these movies and about Luke's posts. Well, maybe mostly just about the movies. I guess Luke's words will reflect his posts. Yeah, I'm very sensitive. Please don't insult my posts. I will be insulting them for you. No, just kidding. <laughs> Especially since I read some of them before they were posted. <laughs> yeah, some of them you're to blame if they're bad. You were editor. That's true. Well, let's just jump into it instead of this weird banter we'll definitely get into as we sidetrack ourselves later on. So bad. So, young adult coming-of-age films, yeah. finding the themes of what was happening so we can write a script based on this. Yeah, we thought it was an appropriate theme for the first week. I mean, Luke mentioned this in his post about how, you know, it's sort of a uh, theme that is uh, it's pretty relevant to our lives, or at least somewhat relevant. Some of the movies ended up being more high schooly than we are, I guess, but... Um, then we also realized that it's one of, a very good one to sort of mimic in a short film. It's a very easy genre to sort of for us to write and then make because hey, we know a lot of twenty-year-olds and we can get this together. <laughs> this is true, uh, but <laughs> the, it it does help being able to people. <laughs> Not taking any of this out. Yeah, young adult films are easier to make when you have young adults to make them with. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's begin with one similarity that we saw at the very beginning of focusing a lot on sexuality and love or really just getting laid. So. Yeah, so like the movies. Again, we hadn't seen some of these movies, so some of them definitely fit into what we were thinking of when we were making Bijan, the the list a little bit better than others. But I guess if you look at all three, all five of the movies, uh, and try to pick out the different points of views, I guess the the big divides are between like romantic love, and this is pretty. We were talking about this yesterday when we were talking about Vicky Cristina Barcelona, that there's romantic love, the physical love. And then there's just love, which is platonic love, I guess. And each of the movies sort of follows the, the, the their characters coming into age or like coming to realize the differences between the three of them and how you can live maybe with one or the other or how you can, which ones they value as people. And most of the movies go from valuing physical love to valuing either romantic or just platonic love friendship love yeah yeah so how we decided on this category is that as how we filled this category is that we came up with the graduate and adventureland and uh, we originally had them in just coming of age films but realized a lot of the other films had to do with younger children so we divided it up into older and younger coming-of-age categories, and as we started filling the young adult coming-of-age category, we started really realizing this, this trend of love or physical attraction over more self-discovery that we were finding in uh, the, young, the younger children-based coming-of-age films. Yeah. Uh, I was rather surprised about that. I, I don't know if that came across in my first posting. I was fairly sarcastic with, with uh, labeling this week, uh, what was it? <laughs> Young adult or YA coming of age? Well, that's what we labeled it, but I kept on calling it just like losing virginity week. Oh, yeah. Um, but <sighs> it's what we ended up with because yeah. apparently that's what people care about at our age. Yeah, I do think even though a lot of the films didn't... Yeah, so it is a very prevalent topic it's mostly there in like super bad in Adventureland and then to some extent The Graduate not so much Vicky Cristina Barcelona and Perks of Being a Wallflower yeah but I feel like it's appropriate to have Perks of Being a Wallflower in this category because it's a little bit of the bridge between the boyish coming of age the sort of like boyish wonder thing 
and the physical romantic relationship movie. And then I guess Vicky Cristina Barcelona is a little bit moving away from the category. It's more of the adult, uh, what, how, how do we stay in love? How do we choose our long-term relationships mm -hmm. and stuff? So I don't feel too bad that we those other movies didn't fit as well. Vicky Christina, I still don't feel was a coming of age film. No. I know you and Boat, and you agree with me on that point. Yeah, I don't think it's a coming of age film. I do think they learn things about themselves. Yeah, but it it isn't coming of age. Yeah. We we had a big disagreement on Vicky Christina last night. Oddly focused more on just a, a throwaway secondary. Well, he wasn't a throwaway secondary character. Yeah. He was the fiance of one of the major characters, but uh, but it it was. It was a discussion of how he really wasn't developed at all. Um, so coming of age for him definitely didn't happen. For Vicky Cristina, definitely didn't happen. And though I really loved the film, I don't know if I'm, I'm happy with it being in this week because it, it now makes it more difficult for me to pick out the similarities of what makes a coming of age movie if since it's not a part of it. And, yeah. and now it's so in my mind because we, we've discussed it so much and I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, it's definitely a fun movie to talk about. I mean, fun in the most frustrating way. <laughs> um, I think it's better to treat it as a movie that maybe isn't necessarily coming of age but can help shed light onto coming of age movies because of, I don't know, the... the, 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 the changes that the characters experience um so, or looking at the characters as future versions of the characters that we watched in the actual coming of age movies and how the things that those characters in the coming of age movies learned might be challenged later in their lives although okay, none that's of, yeah although none of the characters that we watched really came to the same conclusions that, like, Vicky and Christina were living uh, at the start of the movie. And I don't know if that... It, maybe it's also a thing... Like, they're also the only female leads in this week. Yeah. So, I don't know if gender changes it a lot. I don't know if, like, a female coming-of-age movie would be different than the male ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that I regret that... We made the decision on these lists the, the day before we started this week, which made it difficult for really shaping the first week. We, yeah, we, we were pretty exhausted. <laughs> yeah, so if we had more time, I, I wish this week was more well-rounded. I was disappointed in focusing solely on men, I, especially since um, I was hoping to find more films that weren't just about, well, Thanks. just about relationships. Oh, relationships yeah. are important, but yes, just about sex. I want—I didn't want right. to say that directly because we didn't have all of them just being about sex. Right. Um, but I was still left with the impression that that was a focus of, of many of them, yeah. and I was hoping to explore other areas of coming of age. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well. So, if anyone knows of coming of age films for people our age, young adults who which don't focus on the relationships with a significant other, please let me know. Yeah, everything that we found that was like that was mostly little kids. Yeah. Eight, nine-year-old boys with long hair and big eyes. Um, I don't know. Maybe the problem is I'm still an eight-year-old boy. Maybe. <laughs> with long hair and big eyes. Yeah. But you just cut it short. <laughs> is it messing with your mind? No one else knows that. They can't that's, see me. That's true. It's longer than I've I've had it in the past after haircuts. Yeah. Well, in, in a lot of the movies, uh, I think this is and this is where Luke and I had our biggest disagreement on Adventureland. Um, it's, it's that so the characters are driven at least initially by sex and by wanting to get the sex. Um, get the sex. Get the sex. <laughs> but I almost used that sentence in one of my. <laughs> oh <lives>. no. <laughs> but also, I mean, I don't think the movie actually ends up being about that. It's more about friend. Like in Superbad, it ends up being about the friendship between the two characters and sex is used as a 
diversion from their actual problems, which is the whole, like, abandonment or, like, we're going to lose each other next year and you're rooming mm -hmm. with the friend that we don't actually like. Mm -hmm. um, and so sex is almost, like, an easy escape for them to avoid actually talking about their problems. Right. Um, so in the end, I don't think the movie is about them losing their sex. It's what the characters care losing about. Losing their sex? <laughs> losing their virginity. <laughs> Oops. It's and all the dick jokes came to an end as they all lost their penises. <laughs> <laughs> and then the it was more a journey about finding their penises. And now we just did a okay, you're coming taking of this age a little film too far. into manhood. <laughs> They must find their manhood. Oh, God. Literally and figuratively. Anyway, um, I guess literally, either. whatever. <sighs> Sex was there, and it was the character's uh, driving force, or at least what they thought was their driving force, but ultimately that's not what the movie was about. And the movie's driving force and what the movie was actually, or like the lesson of the movie, was more about friendship. And in the case of an event, at least in the case of Superbad... In the case of Adventureland, and I guess to some extent Perks of Being a Wallflower, although less so, it's more about figuring out what love is. And I don't think... I think the, the biggest disconnect that we had with Adventureland um, was that we were thinking of what he finds love to be in the end is very different things. I think in the beginning he has a very idealized version of what love is, and... It's sort of reflected in what he thinks about New York. But, and he sees them as very, um, he has like a very romantic point of view. Like he says, like, it's going to be perfect. We're going to be so in love. The city is going to be where I become an intellectual and go to grad school. And it's going to be easy. And then by the end, he realizes it's not easy. And maybe like love doesn't, it matters, but it's not the, this like perfect thing that he thought it was at the beginning. So he doesn't mind losing his virginity like that, I think. I don't know if that's kind of a weird... So are you proposing that he didn't love M as he wanted to love someone at the beginning of the movie? That he was reducing his expectations of love as he, as he decided to settle for M? I don't think it's reducing. I think it's just more realistic. The, the the M is not a perfect person, but she is a maybe perfect partner for him, at least at that moment. So I'm struggling with that because I don't see a demonstration of what changes in his idealistic expectations. Is, is it is it that you believe in his idealistic love that he would expect that there wouldn't be cheating and he, it, and because that's yeah. the only thing that I can see that would kind of go against his idealism because he was upset about that. So, yeah. And then he puts that aside, but. Or that it would be very free flowing and easy and everybody's perfect. And they follow like a very conventional romantic love where, you know, they, where they are together, so in, they are together, and it doesn't matter who they actually are. It just matters that they love each other, right? Or I think they love each other. But with M, <coughs> she goes. They have a really rough and messy start, and things don't seem to work out. But in the end, they love each other, and that so it's okay that they're they've had a rocky past. I didn't get that impression from his ideal of love at the beginning. I Yes, he fell for a girl quickly and expected that love to work out, and that didn't work with the first girlfriend that broke up with him in the first scene. And then the only other example that we have of his past relationships is the discussion with um, the girlfriend who was in maybe high school when he almost had sex, but then he came to realize he didn't love her. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't see that idealism that you're discussing of that expectation of necessarily being easy. I just see him having an idealized version of what the feeling will be, not necessarily the yeah. expectation of 
what the what the um, situation would be. Uh, I, I always felt that his falling for M was falling into his idealized idea of love because they were both falling for each other as they became closer together, and it was it was pretty much love at first sight as they looked across the the game yeah. hall and love dies, and she saved him as she gave away that teddy bear and they fell into each other's arms. They didn't actually fall into each other's arms, but in my mind, they, they fell into each other's arms and, and thus began his idealistic journey. And yes, he, he runs into problems, but uh, maybe it's that even an idealist, I don't believe, could believe that there wouldn't be problems in a relationship. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I agree that they started off very much in what he would consider to be like the ideal version of like romantic love, like this chance encounter and locking their eyes and all that. Um, I think what as problems did arise, it challenged his idea of love, um, and. The, those were problems that he was not expecting. I think also I might be attributing too much of his romantic ideals about um, love to his like romantic ideals about New York City. And I sort of see them as the same thing. And so like the way he approaches New York City changes very much from the beginning to the end of the film. Okay, and so he's a lot more like gung ho about it at the end than he is in the beginning. Yeah. In that, I is where you can probably win me over best since I made the argument of the comparison of his uh, love of women to his love of New York City. Um, I see what you're talking about. Where at the beginning, his his interest in New York City is tied with his interest in graduate school and his interest in the career, and by the end, it's just that he wants to be in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does develop. And maybe I'm biased because when I see people who want to go to the city so badly as I see him turn into that person, I know people who will do anything to be in that city. So maybe it's that when I saw that at the beginning, my expectation of him was that it was that he loved New York and that's why I wanted to be there. Yeah, I, I guess I approached that very differently. I did not think New York really mattered. Like, it could have been, easily been any other, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's New York because it's, like, where Columbia is and a lot of artists and intellectuals gather, but I, I didn't think New York itself really matters more of, like, the idea of being in a place where he could be someone else, um, where he was going to become, like, this great artist, or this great, I guess, academic, um, or intellectual, uh, but but by by the end that it isn't so much about that idea, or even about the city, and it's more about being. Oh God, wait, I I mixed that up. It, it 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 I don't think New York ever really mattered. It was just a reason for him to be somewhere else. I I I don't know. Did you read the script? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was wondering if that's where we might have differed with New York, because when I read the script, what I was taking it away from it is that I was getting the impression that he wasn't originally in Pittsburgh, that he was originally from the suburbs of New York. Oh, really? And that he, because the discussion was never about the long trip into the, they weren't saying New York, they kept on saying Manhattan. Oh. Throughout the script, they always said that he wanted to get into the city to live in Manhattan and that they were saving up money so that he could live in Manhattan. And he, from the beginning, he very much wanted to be with his friend in Manhattan, uh, which left me with the feeling that from the beginning, he wanted to be in New York because he loved New York. Uh, When I watched the film, they moved to Pittsburgh, and what I saw in that, that difference of... Uh, being in the suburbs of New York. It's not explicitly said in the script that it's in the suburbs of New York or nearby. It's it's what I took away from the descriptions. 
uh, and some of the language. But when they moved to Pittsburgh, it then just seemed like an opportunity for them for them to have raised the stakes of his desperation to need to get to the new New York because it's now seven hours away and he'll do anything to get there. But, and he's willing to do anything, even if it means leaving his family behind and being alone, even if his friend can't go there, he still wants to be there. And it's perhaps it, what I was missing is that he learns that he wants to be there as badly as he wants to be by the end because he keeps on facing problems but what I was taking away from it is that by the end as all of his other opportunities stripped away he was still left with the one thing that he really wanted which was to be in New York yeah I didn't read and I didn't think that he had been from moved from Manhattan to Pittsburgh or anything like that I just figured he'd grown up in Pittsburgh and it's not like a romantic view of New York where he like has to be there to come into himself um but I do see where what you're saying where like when he's stripped of everything he still has New York I just didn't read into the city very much or think it mattered too much it was more about him finding himself before he gets to New York or coming to realize that maybe New York is not what matters but he still gets it in the end because he's been successful at coming to terms with who he is what he's doing and maybe like what um who M is or that he can be with M despite like the flawed past that she has so you mentioned that your impression is that New York isn't what matters by the end and is where I read it the other way, that New York is what matters at the end, and he happens to get M because she's also there. And you, are you reading it yeah. the opposite is what you're saying? Yeah. I don't think New York is what matters. It's that he wants M, he goes to M, and it happens to be in New York. I think it's convenient that they're both in New York, that New York is New York and M is in New York. And I think that it's kind of almost like him being deserving of both of them. Because in the beginning of the film, he had a very, uh, to let a deal, like his parents were going to fund him to go to Europe. His parents were going to pay for his apartment in New York. He was going to be fine. And in New York, he was going to discover himself. Um, but instead, he had to become worthy of going to New York and sort of being able to, he had to really understand who he was and what he was doing before like deserving to go to the place where he was going to come into like his full potential and part of coming to his full potential was losing his virginity to M but even before finding M in New York he also had to come to fully understand M and accept her as she is and not as, like, the woman who had never slept with Guitar Guy or something like that. Or someone like him or having that fly past. Guitar Guy. What was it? Connell. Connell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who is the actor? Uh, Ryan. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Uh, okay. Well, we read very different things from Adventureland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so the the question that I have next is what makes a young adult coming of age film? We we discussed that it has something to do with the relationship, but what is the beginning, what is the end of a young adult film? I think it's sex. <laughs> it's what we're complaining about. Yeah. That's just... the So, a lot of the, the boyhood coming of age... Hey, it's convenient. Boyhood is coming. Anyway, um, a lot of the boyhood coming of age movies are about, like we said, sort of finding yourself or realizing who you might be. Um Though there are many that are relationship-based, except it's friends. It's right. It's friendship. Yeah. Um, and 
or sort of like discovering the world, I guess would be more accurate than like discovering yourself. Um, the, the, the young adult ones seem to be more about like challenging who you are or challenging who, how you understand the world so that you can like go forth in life being more worthy of the world and what you're doing or being ready or like prepared to tackle it in a much more adult situation, which I think is why virginity is such a big topic because it's sort of, it's, it's almost like the final last, the last thing you can do before being, not being physically different than any other adult <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really work that way, but that's sort of what they seem to think. Yeah. <laughs> what a message. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the message that that's what they think, but the message of the film is that that's not true. I mean, none of them ever have sex. Well, a lot of them have a lot of sex, but they, you're right that, or do you mean that the lesson isn't that sex is the right Oh, way. I guess, uh, God, it the happens graduate. in the graduate. It ends that way in, um, well, yeah, but, it, but we don't see it happen. Yeah. So Super bad, uh, what is his name, Fogel? Fogel's a special case. <laughs> Fogel does not abide by these rules. He got it in. Yeah. <laughs> and that counts. Seconds. Does the tip count? <laughs> According to those cops, which were very reliable men. Yeah. <laughs> and Vicky and Christina... Yes, but Vicky and Christine is a whole other ballpark. <laughs> you mentioned lots of sex and lots of alcohol. Yeah, there, yeah. Yeah. Also, I was left with the question in um, in Perks of Being a Wallflower of what happened when they continued kissing in the final scene in Sam's room because the, he takes his pause, but then they continue kissing. And the next scene we cut to is the next morning and he's at Sam's house saying goodbye to her. And it's very feasible that he went home, but it also left me with the impression that maybe did, something did happen for them, between them. Well, I think something happened, but not that thing. Uh, I, I don't feel like they got very far. I think I've also read... Oh, in the book. In the, yeah, in the screenplay, they were a lot more... Hmm, explicit about him leaving, weren't they? Because he, like, stops her, and they kiss a little bit more, but then they stop again. I don't think they stopped again. They don't stop again. It, I... I believe it just cut to the next day him saying goodbye and then he walks home in his days. I think it's still sweeter. I'm like, yeah, I got with Sam. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think it, it's explicitly about sex. What I what I appreciate about that is even if they did have sex, it was it was because they finally accepted the love of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a love of a deep relationship as a friendship. Yeah. Uh, and not just a physical attraction. Uh, though I was, I was just curious because we mentioned that you said that, that no one has sex in these films. Oh yeah, very inaccurate for the graduate. I know it's yeah, inaccurate for I the graduate. I sort of stopped thinking about the graduate. I sort of jumped straight into Adventureland and Superbad. Yeah, which are also like their own subcategory within this category. How would you label that category? Well, they're just more modern more comedy based hmm. there the i don't know the graduate i believe was supposed to be a comedy but not like this <laughs> <laughs> it was made mm, adventureland and superbad were made sort of in the same amount of time same right. span of time and the graduate is a little bit more outdated right. not outdated but like older yeah when you have I, I believe we discussed it being the first modern movie of its kind First young adult coming of age with comedy elements. First yeah. type of comedy in that in that style. One of the first. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost it, it. I guess it ends up with very different ideals, but it's still part of the category. Just the different ideals might come from different time periods, and the fact that it was the first. And yeah, over forty years, things tend to change. Yeah. Uh, though with Adventureland, with The Graduate, you said that. Coming of age for young adults is about moving from a place of still a youth mindset into a, an adult, someone ready to take on the world. Did 
these people end there? Did did the graduate end? Did Adventureland end with people who are ready to face the world, who are mature now? God, not the graduate. But, <laughs> Certainly but, not the graduate. Yeah. <laughs> but Adventureland, maybe. I feel like maybe he is not fully equipped or fully like an adequate adult, but he has the right mindset to approach or the right mindset to start becoming an adult. Whereas before he was not there. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe in the graduate he got everything like he's married or he's going he has he's not married, but I you know, he got right. the girl. Right. With no Adventureland, I I can see what you're saying. He's Conceding to the fact that he has grown, maybe not in, maybe not fully agreeing that he's grown or changed his ideas of what love is, but at least had to come face to face with the realization that he's going to have to fend for himself, mm-hmm. uh, which is casting aside the support of his family, casting aside the expectation that someone's going to give him a helping hand, like his friend was going to put him up in the the apartment for a few right. months, and accepting that he has to do what he needs to do to get by in life. Yeah. And do what he... If he wants to do something, he needs to take it into his own hands. Yeah. Um, that's so how that's, I that's see... That's how Hebrew. I see how his view of love changes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't necessarily. Okay, I can. I'll. I'll concede. I. I agree that he grew in that way. Okay. I wasn't initially tying it to love. I okay. agree that it was happening with the love, but I saw okay. the main aspect of that being the city because he moves to the city. He's right. there to do whatever it takes to be in the city. Oh, and by the way, hey Sam, great to see you. Let's have sex or M. Let's, <laughs> let's have sex tonight, and then I'm gonna go to the Y. What? Uh, he goes to the Y to live for a week while he's looking oh, for right. apartments and jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to go work out. <laughs> Hit the gym, get pumped. Yeah. <laughs> Next to the granny's doing aerobics in the pool. Not going to be this little sissy man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> the graduate. Did he come of age? <laughs> Is that what we expect? Uh, I think he regressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. God, like he becomes a stalker. Yeah. We realized he only went on two, one and a half dates with her. (laughs) Walked her to the zoo to meet her boyfriend. I don't understand. Walked her to the, forcefully followed her to the zoo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was left with a very bad taste in my mouth after the graduate, especially if that was the expectation of coming of age in the 1960s. (laughs) Getting married at all costs, no matter what the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Getting married despite not, like, being actually prepared for it, just getting married because it was the thing that you do. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also feel like like the graduate can happen because that Ben's parents have the money to let it happen. <laughs> In any other situation, he would not. I, God, I don't know. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. Like, what's he going to do when he goes on the bus? Like, go back to his room? <laughs> Are they going to, like, sit against the fish tank together? He ends without a job. He just stole someone else's fiance, (laughs) who has only known him well for a very long time, but have only has only known him romantically for an evening (laughs) (laughs) and a bus ride. And a bus ride, uh, which on the bus ride she ignores him. Yeah. So Ben's problem seemed to have been that he didn't know what he wanted. He went through life doing what he was told. Go to high school, do well, go to college, do well, get out, get a job. Yeah. But he got out of college and he didn't know what was next. Yeah, he didn't have the job waiting for him. And as he took that pause, he froze, he couldn't move, and he was stuck there until that sure thing of Mrs. Robinson came around. Now I'm just recapping the the write-up, but 
Um, but what amazes me is how well it did. And maybe, maybe what I failed to do is look into what people were saying of the movie at that time. I know it was, it did very well. I know it's now considered a modern classic. Yeah. Uh, but maybe what I'm missing is that maybe it was more of a comedy than I realized. Maybe it's that it's so absurdist that... Yeah, that it's funny or that it's good. Yeah, because many of the jokes are the absurdist aspect. Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that is true. The comedy comes from him being indecisive or... Yeah, no, I... I yeah. Um, it's very over the top. The, the comedy's over the top, and so maybe the, the entire movie's over the top, and we're just taking it too seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, I, I, so I watched this movie in high school with a film class, and everybody seemed to love it, and they were like, oh, we can identify with him so much, like, what are we going to do? I'm like, you're going to college, you're not, your life's kind of planned out for the next four years. <laughs> you're not stalling out just yet. Yeah. You wait four years, <laughs> then stall out. <laughs> but I guess it, it, the identification with him mostly came from, um, the people surrounding him that were expecting things of him without, like, actually, like, very congratulatory, very, but not actually listening to him. And so Mrs. Robinson comes, and maybe she doesn't listen to him either, but she seems to understand him and just give him something that's very different than what everybody else is offering, which is, like, advice or, like, um, uh, you know, congratulations and stuff, where, and then she comes along and gives him something physical that he doesn't have to think about. What then confuses me is that he sort of seems to take the same approach that he was taking to Mrs. Robinson's relationship and apply it to the rest of his life, even though it might not be the most accurate way to go through life. Just without thinking about it. Without thinking about it? Yeah, because he sort of just never stops moving after, after Mrs. Robinson. He's running everywhere, driving all the time, running up and down the stairs. Like, but he never just like sits down, except for maybe when he's waiting for Elaine on the and sit on the fountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And when he waits outside the classroom for her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is very still outside yeah. the classroom. <laughs> yeah. And I think I might have just recapped the movie as well. <laughs> 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 but, but you're right. It, the relationship with Mrs. Robinson offers him nothing. He gain he learns nothing from it. He has a physical ex- escape, but they don't seem to enjoy each other. They don't seem yeah. to like their time together. He the has an argument with her because he's unhappy with it because he doesn't like just the physical. He wants more of an emotional connection. Yeah. And it's not there with Mrs. Robinson. Except as maybe, like, estranged from their society. Yes. You mean that they, they both have that in, in the, similarity? Yeah, like, the discomfort. Yeah, discomfort or, like, feeling alien in the circles they run around. Okay. Which I think might be, like, why she picks him. Right. But otherwise, I agree, I don't see much. Yeah emotional support in that relationship yeah and even with that connection that's something that they should be able to support each other in but instead they just use each other as a tool to escape that life instead of supporting each other in in working with that life the the discussion they have only leads to frustration between them they they never actually express their feelings yeah the movie almost leaves me with the impression that perhaps it bends to the idea that life is cyclical. Cyclical. Yeah. Because Ben finishes school, he's unhappy. He tries something with Mrs. Robinson, he ends unhappy. He tries something again with the daughter. What's her name? I don't know. Elaine. Elaine. He gets what he wants, they get on the bus, and immediately he looks unhappy. He's the... He's Christina. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know what he wants but he knows what he doesn't want and keeps 
getting new things that, you know, like, okay, this is going to work out for you. And then he's unsatisfied and moves on to the next thing. And now the next thing might be more harmful because there's this girl that has just trusted him mm -hmm. with her life as well. <laughs> so, yeah, when we were talking about Vicky Cristina Barcelona, we mentioned, we, we got into a like pretty, pretty big debate about Vicky. But neither of us could really understand Christina. Like she doesn't seem to change at all. I mean, I mean she kind of changes, but ultimately not really. She doesn't actually seem to have like growth. Um, and the, I feel I kind of feel the same way about Ben. Like he goes through moments of growth, moments of where he might be. Lo it looks like he might be finding himself and finally coming to terms with his situation and what he's doing and what's happening. But then ultimately he just goes back to. Ground zero. I like that parallel that you draw between them. I, I, I didn't look at that earlier, but you're right. There, there does seem to be a lot there that they share in common. Mm -hmm. Even with the with how they go about trying to find something, Vicky is, acts very no, Vicky. Christina. Christina. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> uh, acts. Very, very passionate, but as we learn when she's with Juan Antonio, uh, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of discomfort that yeah. she, that she finally starts getting over. I guess the, you you mentioned that maybe that's her growth, that maybe she's feeling more comfortable, but it didn't really leave you satisfied, feeling yeah. like she really changed that way. But so, but with that, we know that she was unhappy as she was looking for for what she wanted, mm -hmm. uh, unhappy with herself. Yeah, um, which seems to be where Ben is because yeah. he feels lost in himself because he felt like he's just been doing what everyone else told him to do. Right. Um, yeah, it's like he became Christina way too late in life. So, whereas Christina sort of smiles a lot and like, I mean, she is dissatisfied with who she with herself, which is why she like runs around, right? But mm -hmm. it, it, she does seem slightly better off. I mean, if we had to, like, compare the two, I would say, I mean, we're doing that, but I would say she ends up slightly better than she was in the beginning of the movie, mm -hmm. even if I still think it's pretty much just ground zero. Right. And Ben is worse off than he was in the beginning, so it's sort of like it, Ben is a more depressive version of Christina. Right, right. That That seems very fair and very accurate. Christina... Still seems to love life, even though she, has, even if she has personal fears and unhappiness yeah. with relationships, Ben just is unhappy with life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but with that parallel, it then reminds me of the conversation that Juan Antonio and Maria Elena had when Christina is breaking up with them. Yeah. I, I mentioned this briefly last night, but we didn't really discuss it that much. Um, but it was the discussion of. Maria Elena gets very pas passionate when Christina says she's ready to leave. And she becomes very upset because she believes that Christina uses them because Christina is a person who can never be happy, who will never mm -hmm. be satisfied. And that seems to be what we just mentioned about Ben, is that he, does, yeah. he never seems to find that. However, Juan Antonio offers the other hand with Christina, saying that it's not that she will always be unhappy, it's just that she didn't find what makes her happy. Yeah. Um, she just has more trouble than others. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree that Ben is what Maria Elena was saying. I still don't know what I think about Christina, but I agree that Ben is that. Um, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that he could be happy with Elaine, and it kind of seemed like he would be, but that last lingering shot it just doesn't not it's not hopeful so continuing on with the parallel between Vicky Christina and Ben I'd like to revisit the discussion we had last night about Doug and go off your point of Doug no. <laughs> Doug would you like to to explain how you view Doug and Vicky Christina well I don't <laughs> <laughs> as a lifestyle and <laughs> yeah okay so i don't think doug is a character he's not a person with any form of agency he's just a thing 
Okay, that, that might, might be going too far. But he just represents a lifestyle. The lifestyle that Vicky thinks that she's wanted, or Vicky has wanted her whole life and thinks she still wants. And um, Doug is an easy, easily replaceable man by, like, any other guy who comes from his same block or same club, same school, whatever, his lifestyle. Um, we, we had a lot, the main discussion that we had yesterday was whether or not, or Luke seems to have had some issues with Doug being painted that way because he was pictured so negatively during the movie, almost like, it's just boring. He's just, he's not an interesting guy. Right. And he's so closed-minded, and he's so just, I, I don't, you know, there's no passion so, in his character. So where I wanted to leave this is off of the passion with the character. We discussed how he wasn't developed as a character and left to be a representation of the lifestyle that yeah. Vicky thought she wanted. Yeah. And we discussed how if he was developed, it would have been coming into a self-awareness that Vicky had. Uh, Vicky had a self-awareness about the lifestyle that she thought she wanted. Yeah. Doug never had that self-awareness, and he, you mentioned that taking on the idea that he is a real character, a real person, he's the type of person who goes through life doing what he was told he should do. Right. Uh, yeah, he doesn't like actually live life, he just does it. That's how I was saying it, which is a kind of a terrible way to say that, but he just doesn't have a real passion, a real motivating drive, something that makes him him beyond his khakis. And it seems to me that Ben was Doug until he graduated college. Yeah. Which leaves me with the question, has Ben become self-aware and shut down, or is he in the process of learning what matters to him, or would this yeah. have happened to Doug if he became self-aware? Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Maybe. Was he so stuck in the life that he knew, thought, thinking that that's what made him happy, that when he realized that it's not what made him happy, it's just what other people told him to do, that yeah. he rejects the world? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a very fair, a very, very, very good point. They seem to come from a similar class and yeah. seem to have a similar background. Yeah. Similar expectations of them for their futures. They even look alike. <laughs> short, dark hair. Yeah. <laughs> Decent build. It's pretty short. Yeah. <laughs> Brown, like, almost bulby hair, but not quite bulby. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a good thing to say. When I think about like self-awareness, yeah, I think Ben has taken a, an evaluation of his life, realizes he's not happy with continuing being part of a like lifestyle, but he is very inadequate at finding what he actually likes yeah. and just handles the situation terribly. Um, and, yeah, and then he... He has like this, I yeah, with the self-awareness thing. I think he he's aware of what like his life is and that he's unhappy about it. But he's sort of again like Christine, aware he's not aware. Maybe not even like Christine, even worse than Christina, like not aware of himself enough to actually find something that he loves. Like I think in the end of the movie, Christina has at least found photography. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what Doug would be like if he suddenly. Realized what a sham his life has been, <laughs> but the other hand is maybe he he would he becomes self aware and realizes that that's the love life he does love. So that's true. Yeah, that maybe is. he does love Vicky for more than just being a pretty girl who's smart and like fits the mold. And we know he cares about her truly to an extent when she comes home and she has that shot up hand. He flips out. Yeah, or is that because it's infringement on his his perfect lifestyle, his comfort? It's it's like when people 
get a stain on their carpet and they flip out now because they actually care about the carpet because it's not picture perfect carpet anymore. You're being cynical. That's yeah. super cynical. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't like Doug. <laughs> All right, fine. So, so then let's let's wrap up with a more discussion on how do we take this and make this into something? What are the beats that are needed in a young adult coming of age film? What do we need to include in our short scripts? Uh, yeah. It seems. Oh, wait, can I say something else about Doug? I do think he loves Vicky. <laughs> they have some good. You mentioned in your article that she seems to like him too because in their intimate moments she does seem happy and he seems happy. So I do think there is something there. I just also think he's very boring. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't think it's an unhappy ending because they will be at least somewhat happy. Mm-hmm. And they're just not going to be, like, super happy. But they're not going to be super sad either. So <laughs> Okay. Anyway, let's go. The, the Beats question is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one we always have to end with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we mentioned that there needs to be a young adult. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Someone ranging from 15 to 25 years old. <laughs> Depending on... They'll probably be closer to 20. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Do we believe that we, we need that significant other in that story? I think there has to be a significant other. Not necessarily... It doesn't have to be like the focus of the movie, but th- that relationships are a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those things that has to be there. I guess it's more of a focus than if this was a movie about a 40-year-old or about an 8-year-old, but I do think it needs to be there. And does it have to be with someone where a romantic tie can happen? Can it be with a best friend? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Superbad was about best friends... It That's true. Like, the, the girls didn't actually matter. We talked about yesterday how, like, Emma Stone was such a disappointment. Oh, wait, was that with Virginia? It was with Virginia. Yeah, I was just sitting there listening. Yeah, like, I, they, when they were advertising that movie, I was like, oh, Emma Stone's in this, she's gonna be so funny, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Because she was in the trailer so much. Was she? Yeah, she's only in the movie for, like, 20 minutes. Posted the trailer, I don't even remember it. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I just paid attention to her more. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think that the characters think they want relationships, but they don't actually. Uh, well, they might want relationships, they don't want mindless sex. Yeah, yeah, I, I took away two lessons from that movie of being the importance of their friendship mm-hmm. and, and really being open with each other and accepting the emotions that they feel for each other, loving each other. Yeah. Uh, as well as sex not being tied to just pleasure but something right. like the relationship being important yeah because neither of them end up having sex both of them end up with the girl in a longer term relationship yeah or at least trying one yeah yeah and I also yeah the, the same goes with Vicky Christina Barcelona and Perks of Being a Wallflower mm-hmm. I mean it's like especially Perks of Being a Wallflower the relationship with Sam is there but like especially in the script, I felt that I, it's also because in the script there aren't like shots of her in slow motion or whatever. Not that there are in the movie, but practically, um, her pixie cut blowing in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it is much more about him finding a group of friends that help him find himself, and um, the romantic relationship is there because he's a fifteen-year-old boy who has romantic feelings for girls, but it is more of a byproduct of him growing up and of him finding friendships. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any of these... And, like, Vicky Christine Barcelona is probably, like, the easiest to look at a friendship because it's two straight girls. Yeah. Right? So there's no, like, divide. I guess so it's super bad, but... Um, ben doesn't really have any friends in The Graduate, but that's because Ben... Yeah, it's completely useless, completely isolated. Yeah, so I almost feel like the friendship aspects are more important than the relationship ones. Like, Sam, um, M, and James become close friends before they become romantic partners, even if there is an attraction there. True. Ultimately, I think all of the relationships that we see are successful are because there is a strong friendship 
foundation mm -hmm. and not because there is a romantic interest. That's true. Even with Emma and James, as you mentioned, it, it remains questionable for the entire film. They never say that yeah. they're in a relationship. They're just yeah. friends who spend a lot of time together and a lot of intimate moments together. Yeah. And I feel like there are a lot of moments with Emma and James. I, like, I liked that. It'll, this a lot, but there were a lot of moments where you could almost forget that there was a romantic relationship mm -hmm. between them. Like the the scene where they're go karting, especially stands up stands out. Yeah, like it, it was just a very nice sort of like it was a very nice scene. You know, we saw James and Jim, I don't know Martin Star, um, and and pretty equally. It was just like this really nice time of them bonding, mm -hmm. and it you could almost forget that there was like this attraction between them. Yeah, I think goes a long way in a lot of movies. And do you think there do you think there's other beats that we haven't discussed besides that new relationship of opening someone up and and exposing them to new ways of thinking and living? Is there is there other elements? Because that's really the theme that I'm seeing between yeah, all of these. I think so too. Should it? That's like the main. I see. Mm -hmm. I and mean, there are like tiny elements that are important. Were any of them super bad? Was were people who knew each other for a long time? So it could be that. Vicky Christina knew each other for a long time. Right. But coming of age. Right. There's also <laughs> that issue. Yeah. Um. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I was hoping for a bit more of an outline of Luke. This is exactly what you need to put into your script, but okay, okay. Here, here's what. You Give need me to my outline. Write my script right now, man. Okay. A slightly dissatisfied boy with uh, sort of sweet feelings, even if those sweet feelings are masked by vile thoughts. Um, okay, vile is a strong vile word. <laughs> I was just thinking of. What am um, I going to do? Like, stalk someone? That would be ridiculous. Steal them like, away from their altar? <laughs> try to get them drunk so you can have sex? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, drink and drive? Anyway. Um, have parents that are very supportive and kind but don't understand their child. Oh, that's interesting. We never mentioned that. Yeah, all of them true. have parents that are like, oh, you're a great parent. You just don't get your kid, yeah. <laughs> which I think is more of the kid's fault and less of the parents. It's more, you're a teenager. This is what your relationship with your parents are, is like. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, anyway. I think, I think James, well, James, Adventureland and uh, Graduate, I think it's a mutual problem between like, the, those parents are, have checked out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially James's dad. Yeah. Like, what's up with that guy? Yeah. Yeah. The casual alcoholic. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, don't let your mother know that I'm the one who drinks and drives. God. Um, the uh, girl, or I guess guy, because Juan Antonio was kind of this too, who is going to show them the world, but turns out to be a lot more complicated than, uh, than what they thought. And they come to accept that character. Yeah. A lot of other they don't. So there's an ideal where they meet someone, or the majority of them seems to be, they have an ideal, they meet someone who they think is an ideal, and then they realize that that person has a lot of baggage that yeah. they didn't imagine would be there. Yeah, and, and then it's sort of like them coming to terms with that baggage. Which in turn brings them face-to-face -face with themselves, because that baggage reflects themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, M actually has, like, pretty similar problems to James, and Sam and the dude have pretty similar problems. How did I forget oh. his name? What is his name? Perks of being a wallflower, Sam, and is it, you know, the C-H? Charlie. Know. Charlie, okay. Yes. Sam and Charlie. Charlie. <laughs> Like, yeah, they definitely have something British very guy. similar in common. Yeah. Was very she dark. raped? I don't uh, I don't remember that. Molested. Was she molested? When it, did she say that? It was... She explains that the first time she was kissed was by a man who would often come over to his her house and was her father's boss. I don't remember that. Yeah. Cool. 
I mean, not cold, but... Cool. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Getting it early. Okay. This is bad. We yeah. can't read. We just made that joke. Oh, <laughs> but God. But we recognize it's terrible and don't actually find it funny. <sighs> Let's go hide under pillows. All right. So, thanks for listening to <laughs> bye our bye. podcast. Look forward to the script that we write about this topic. Uh, and this coming week, or, well, the week currently going on is... Uh, found feature horror films and our next podcast we'll be discussing that yeah give us feedback on not how to ramble on how to not ramble <laughs> i think we did pretty well i think so all right bye 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 goodbye